Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I am joined by guest Morgan Pendergrass, who's a UX designer at Lux.co, L-U-X-X-E. Morgan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jonathan. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Can you tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, no problem. So I am a UI UX designer and I I like to freelance outside of work. So I have a nine to five where I do UI UX uh, work for an agency. And then outside of that, I prefer to tinker on my own projects or clients that come to me um, for for similar work that I'm able to help them execute on. Um, So yeah, lots of variety in the projects there, but uh, help out everyone from uh, maybe some software shops that need a little bit of design help to um, startups that really want to push something flashy to get some investor um, (laughs) cash flow coming in and um, everything in between. Yeah, how long have you been doing the uh, the work at that I see at Lux.co? Uh, it's been about two years so far. Oh, you got quite a bit of stuff on there for two years. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. All right, great. So the the initial reason for this interview was that um, you sent in a question on my mailing list that I thought people would really benefit from hearing two people kind of just talk about. So just kind of want to mm-hmm. brainstorm into the question that you asked. Well, I'll read that in a second. And... You know, maybe get maybe I suspect that a lot of people are in a similar place. The question is related to retainers. There's a lot of confusion around retainers. Uh, so let me just read that and then we can kind of uh, pick up the thread from there. Okay. So the email was, why do you feel that retainers are only advisory as opposed to execution? As a UX designer, I have clients that are interested in a retainer as opposed to a fixed fee project because they aren't in a place to have a, uh, a concrete scope of work. They need UX brain work to help craft the big picture. And in doing so, there's usually a level of execution, journey map, maybe some wireframes, logic flows, et cetera. Can you elaborate a bit? I just started doing retainer work for these sorts of loose engagements. All right, great. That's perfect. Because like I said, I get probably one of the number one questions I get is, is about retainers. How do I do retainers? Isn't that just prepayment for hours? Uh, or people think mm. they're doing retainers, you know, like, is what should I do? Uh, is it just advisory? Am I really just answering questions? How often should we meet? Uh, should I be proactive about it? What if they don't call me? Millions of questions mm-hmm. about retainers. And I think the reason why there's so much interest in it is because it is poorly understood. And I'm off, I've often talked in the past about how retainers, when I was still doing consulting, were my, my bread and butter for you know 10 years. It was a very mm-hmm. lucrative and beneficial arrangement for my clients and for me. So... Uh, they're just not understood very well in this space. So maybe we could start by, would you be able to kind of give folks an idea of when you hear the word retainer, what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think at least in my corner of the world, I would think that a retainer equates to you being available to a client for um, a certain amount of time frame. So it's usually monthly or maybe there's a quarterly retainer, but it's, hey, client, I'm available to you to help you um, in X challenge in some sort of uh, agreed upon fashion, um, only within this time frame for this amount of money. So it's to me, it's kind of, I guess I could understand why it sounds like a prepayment for a bucket of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that's where the line gets fuzzy for some of us. Exactly. So when you said you used the word uh, sort of placeholder X in there, when you said, I'll help you with X, mm-hmm. what, what sorts of things would you plug in or have you plugged in in the past? What does X look like for your clients in the past? Okay. Yeah, I would say for a current retainer of mine, um, the client is looking to create a new product from scratch. Um, but we're not quite at the, he was not quite at the point of, 
I know that I'm going to have these screens and these features and um, these buttons on the page, right? So the, the concrete idea wasn't quite there for us to say, okay, here's a fixed fee. I will create the designs pixel for pixel and we'll be done. Um, it's more of, I need help bringing this vision that I have to the table and creating something out of my idea. So that's where the the loose portion comes from and then the non-fixed scope to, um, I guess, kind of try to put a, a value to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I think that's what led us down the path of, hey, Morgan, I could use your help. Can you work with me for a month to help me kind of frame this thing out and figure out what it is and how it works? Gotcha. Okay. So it might just be a terminology thing. For something like that, I would usually lump that under like a preliminary strategy or architecture or, Mm -hmm. you know, design style guide, content marketing calendar. It's like a, it's like, um, a collaborative, uh, sort of, it's different in different, uh, disciplines. You're in the design Mm -hmm. space, the developer space, there are different terms in the content in the marketing space. There are different terms, but basically you're helping the client design a new thing. So it's, it's something whether it's the way the servers are going to work on uh, AWS or how often we're going to blog post and what should we, we should blog about or, you know, what what does this digital product that's this sort of hazy thing in my mind actually start to look like on a screen? Yeah. So mm-hmm. to me, that's, that's uh, absolutely a wonderful thing to sell. I wouldn't usually sell it on a month-to-month basis, though. To me, that feels a little bit more like... Um, if a one-time sort of a, you know, again, depending on your discipline, like uh, a one-day strategy, uh, a one-day strategy workshop or, um, Mm. or some sort of uh, strategic or planning or design document that isn't the thing, it's a map of the thing. Is that kind of what you feel like you're doing with this particular client? Yeah, exactly. So I would imagine that after this stage, it's page for page, you know, pixel for pixel design work. Um, but yes, currently it was, I need help making this something, right? So I think that's a good explanation kind of, um, yeah, I guess it is very preliminary, put the pieces together type of scenario. Do you imagine that it would extend past a month? Yeah, I, it already has. So it, I think we're cracking into the second month now. So that was part of it as well. I was going to pitch it as, I guess, a bit of a strategy engagement, but right. again, because it was so loose, it was tricky to one I, I don't know. I guess identify what sort of time frame we were looking at, um, much less the value it would add because we weren't really sure what was there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of been a bit of a partnership, hand in hand, working towards the solution. Um, but again, I could be doing this completely wrong. No, no, no. I don't. <laughs> no, I think what you're doing. No, no, no. I think what you're doing is great. It, it's, um, it's really just a, a difference in terminology that I use versus what you're using. Honestly, okay. That- is the how so you're saying you're cracking into the second month but this is not full-time work you have a full-time job so is that part of the reason why it's taking so much calendar time is it that it's a moonlighting type of thing and like if you had to take a wild guess how often how how many hours do you put into it on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis and how much interaction is there with the client versus how much homework you have to do on your own Gotcha. Okay. Um, I, th- I would say probably weekly we're looking at, in the first month at least, we were meeting three times a week. And that was probably about no less than 25 hours from me. Um, so I think 
if I was going to look at the big picture, what's taking some time is I think coming into it, the client had an idea of how he wanted it to work. And then as we started to hash it out, he realized that we ended up with a few more questions than he thought he already answered. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's taken a bit of time for him and I to align on what we feel like is best. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, it's really getting into the details and maybe we're getting too deep into the details of the stage. That could be part of it as well. But I know that as I've stepped in, I've kind of um, shown a light on things that he didn't identify as challenges or, man, yeah, we really do need to explore that. Let's let's do that next week, right? So I think what was meant to be a quick, high-level, let's take a look at this as a whole, mm-hmm. has become a bit more, oh, let's get into the, the gears and the, the details of some of the stuff that we thought would have been a, a broad stroke. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're meeting, if, if you're doing 25 hours a week on top of a full-time job, that's a lot. <laughs> so, Tell me about so, it. <laughs> yeah, uh, kudos for that. Uh, the energy of youth, I suppose. So, okay, um, that that was at first. Did it start to like? Did it? Is it following an arc? Do you feel it sort of tapering off? Are you getting to some kind of conclusion, or does it feel like the farther you get on the rabbit hole, the bigger it'll get? No, I think we're definitely tapering downward. I think we've we're meeting less weekly at this point, mm-hmm. and I'm able to do more kind of homework on my end. Uh, get a little bit more headway there mm-hmm. and then kind of show him and then smaller tweaks. So I would say over time, um, we're getting less tweaks mm-hmm. per meeting or less, less hiccups or less surprises mm-hmm. um, and more kind of grooving now and really shaping this thing up. Okay. And so w- when you meet, what, is it in person? Uh, no, it's over a, a call. Okay. And are you sharing sketches or in some way or is it really just discussion? Yeah. No, um, it's, we're essentially sharing, well, I'm screen sharing some like loose wireframes mm-hmm. to help hit one, him visualize the idea that he has in, the, in his head or, you mm-hmm. know, what might be in an Excel spreadsheet, but mm-hmm. to help visualize the pieces that he sees existing, mm-hmm. um, with my added layer of, okay, well, how does feature a connect to feature B? Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely that's where it gets into taking his loose idea, trying to do actual execution work in the form of wireframes at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, to really help us both see this thing in, you know, live in, live in the flesh. Right. Right. To really think through a lot of the, the right. edge cases and details and like things that yeah. get glossed over. Okay. So, so you said it's tapering off. Do you feel like it'll get to a point where, you know, you're both looking at this, let's call it a map. You're sort of making a map mm-hmm. of, um, did you say it was going to be an application? Yeah. We'll let that. Okay, so so at a certain point, uh, I imagine that the client and you are going to come to an agreement that like, okay, this is this is this is it, or at least this is good enough for a version one uh, to start like an Im- implementation of an MVP. Is that true? At some yep. point, you'll hit that, right? Mm-hmm. And then, what's your plan at that point? Is your is your plan at that point to just sort of keep going under the the monthly? Uh, price that you agreed to and start building the thing, you know, maybe 20, 30 hours a week? Mm-hmm. You know, I've been thinking through that myself, honestly, and especially after initially sending in that question, or I guess more so reading your um, newsletter about the retainer discussion. So I've been thinking through that, and I guess I'm not quite sure at the moment mm-hmm. on what makes the most sense. I know that, um, I guess, format of the engagement aside, I see us wrapping up this, hey, here's how it's going to look and feel. Maybe it's just wireframes, really basic. And I could see the next step being, okay, we touched 20% 
of the web app, which might have been the most important pieces in the wireframe stage, now I could see a very easy to define scope um, or, I guess, engagement to wrap around some sort of fixed price. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I, you know, take it and run. Maybe we meet once a week, show him the actual visual designs. Um, And from there, he would go and develop it and we'd be done with that. Um, But again, like you're asking, does it make sense to keep going at this retainer rate or at that stage switching the... Um, I guess the method that we're using. Yeah. So, so the interesting thing, and and it really boils down to what the dollar amount is. I mean, if the dollar amount, you know, Mm -hmm. if it was $50,000 a month, you'd probably be like, yeah, let's keep doing it. (laughs) It's it's fine. I'll build. So probably also wouldn't have a full time job at that point. Yes, exactly. Or you could just hire it out to someone that you thought was really great. So, okay. So here's an interesting thing I want to call out. And this is not about being right or wrong or anything. It has nothing to do with that. It's, it's, you know, everybody's Mm -hmm. figuring this stuff out. And the, the, the thing I want to call out and you, and you're recognizing it already is that the nature of the work is going to change drastically when you move to the sort of implementation piece and the, all this stuff that happened before that, whether someone, whether you dear listener, uh, break that, you know, do that on sort of a, a monthly basis, or you do a fixed price for, you know, this, this outcome, which is like, the sort of architectural piece and it, it's tough. Like I said mm-hmm. before, each different discipline uh, has a different word for this, but I think a building metaphor is really easy for everybody to imagine. So I tend to use that one where if, when you hire an architect to build a house, there's a good reason for it or building. Let's say if, if you want to build a building, you could just start like get a builder, just pour foundation. I don't know, buy some wood, you know, start slapping it together. Like, you don't need a blueprint, do you? Well, maybe you do. So, you know, the, the building is going to come out probably a lot more uh, uh, safer, more reliable, more attractive if you hire someone to create a, a plan, a blueprint first. Maybe some yeah. architectural renderings, all of these things. Uh, so that phase, I usually just use the generic term strategy, but that also includes, uh, you know, planning, design. And, and I, I mean design, design, not like, Mm. a designer building something, I mean, designing something. So, uh, and I, that's kind of a gray area, I suppose, but I'm talking about that piece that an architect does in a building metaphor. So it's the piece where they are working with the client to define a new status quo. You're not unclogging a toilet. You're designing a new way of it's, you're fixing mm. something that broke. You're designing a brand new thing. And it's, it's, yep hard to visualize if you're not an expert, even though, you know, the, the, the client probably has a business idea, definitely has a business idea or, or, or they have a ton of money and they have a personal need, but they're probably spending some money to build a business and they want to have a blueprint. They want to think it through with someone who's an expert and, and there will be, this is to get back to your question. There will be some deliverables that come out of that in order to communicate the findings and the recommendations even in a pure like management consulting strategy engagement, there's going to be a report at the end, you know, so you can consider that a physical thing, even though it's digital, it's, it's a deliverable, but mm-hmm. the thing that you're delivering is ideas, recommendations, findings, plans, um, uh, designs in the sense of designs that have not yet been executed, you know? So it's like, um, the plan for the design. I don't know. Maybe you could tell me like, what's the word for that? Like, I feel like, well, wireframes. So it's basically like the blueprint, right? It's the okay. lines on the 
not the fluff, not the color, not the, the pretty stuff. Right. And I've also seen, I feel like style guides fall into this and like uh, brand guidelines and uh, sort of like logo usage. Exactly. All of those things are sort of high level. They're the high level things. They're the highest altitude. They're like, is they're like when you're, when you're doing things like that, you're dealing with the farthest people up the organization who are ever going to touch this project. So, you know, you're dealing with the founder, you're dealing with the president, you're dealing with the, the SVP of American sales. You're dealing with somebody who is the farthest up the food chain of anybody who's going to be involved in the project later on. And at, you'll, you'll see if you're dealing with, when I say you, I mean the dear listener, you'll see that after you do an engagement like this, you can tell immediately when it switches to the next phase, because in a larger organization, you will no longer talk to the people that you were talking to on a regular basis. They're going to move on. They're going to hand this off to someone to manage the build, the execution. Okay. Now you've got a back to the building metaphor. Architect delivers plans. The general contractor hires a team, gets a bunch of carpenters. He uh, says, okay, cement mixer, you come in here, you go there. We're going to do this first. You've got timelines and Gantt charts and you've got, uh, you know, uh, estimates and budgets and all of these things that have, they're very, very different. You're in a very different place than you were in that architect phase. Architect might mm-hmm. walk around and make sure that the stuff is going up the way they expected it and provide some oversight to the building process, but they're not pounding nails. So when you switch, when you, when the project switches into that mode, to me, it's moved into implementation mode and that, you know, in a lot of soloists case, uh, cases in the case of a lot of soloists, they do both roles. They do the architect role, they do the general contractor role or the carpenter role. And, uh, and then in a lot of cases, especially for software developers, after the building's up, then they switch into janitor mode and they're mopping the floors and replacing the toilet paper and all of that. So, yeah. and you see, as you, you can imagine using the building metaphor, that the value of the interaction, the value of the, um, engagement or the whatever service you're providing the value goes down from a Mm. from a like value per hour if you want to put it like that the value per hour is extremely high at the beginning because if you make any mistakes there it's going to cost you a fortune in toilet paper down the line or in clogged toilets or or leaky ceilings that lead to mopping the floors so leaky roof so there might be a lot of work to build the building there might be a lot of work to maintain the building on a per hour per person basis, the value is nowhere near the value of the architect because the architect, there's so much downstream from that, that any mistakes up front cause lots of expensive problems down the road. So in your case, since you're a solo, uh, solo person and, uh, clearly do do the implementation stuff, uh, it does feel like it, you know, as you pointed out, might, the arrangement that you have for this initial upfront architecture type work, architect work, it might not be the right fit for the building work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the point, I, I guess the big, it's a, I'm kind of on a soapbox here, but the big point I'm making is that the architect does have deliverables. And I, I just don't, when I say execution, like, yes, I guess technically they executed the deliverable and it's a blueprint or it's a style guide or whatever it is but I I just mean they're not making the thing. They're not making the thing that everyone's talking about. That's the, that's the difference. They're not building the building. Right. Right. Okay. That totally makes sense. So essentially the the stage I'm in now is still the architecting phase. Mm -hmm. Um, Once, once throughout that, there will be execution, there will be 
physical work done, um, but the output of that is still not the end. It's not the final product. Um, so you're saying the stage in which I begin the final product work, it's it's different, and therefore it's definitely going to, I guess, definitely a good reason to shift the pay structure, the payment structure, the cost structure. Um, yeah, typically you would. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. Cool. All right. My job here is done. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Right. Perfect. And, and that, and that is really helpful for me too. Like it's, it's all about that word execution because I tend to use that for that middle layer. I think of like three layers of engagement. It's like the sort of strategic architect planning stuff, then the implementation, mm-hmm. execution, building stuff, and then the support and maintenance and sort of cleanup janitorial, like getting back, you know, when stuff breaks, fix it type of stuff right right. and the value if you can if you can uh, meet uh, if you can begin new clients at that top level where you're playing the architect role that's the best that is the if you can get those kinds of jobs dear listener then that's great because those are those can be very high value please do not price them by the hour price them based on the value of the of your contribution to the big picture uh, which is more art than science. And I've got a bunch of other shows about that, but that's the idea. And then, then once that piece is over and Morgan, you're going to, you're going to know when it's over, you're going to be like, okay, now we're going to no, shift yeah. into build mode. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. be, might even be using, you'll probably be using different tools. Everything changes. You basically put on a different hat and exactly. yeah. So, so when you're done with the blueprint, you know, you land a client, they need you to just like Morgan here, just get this. Oh, I need to think this through. I'm not technical. I have this idea, but I just don't know how to make it. Uh, I don't know how to communicate it to other people or even to flesh it out in my own mind. I need help with that. I need a sounding board. I need uh, expertise in the space and all of those things. Once that's over, that could be all you do. Like that could be your whole job where you just say like, okay, here are your blueprints. I can introduce you to some people who I, I already know are great at building stuff like this. I've worked with them before. If you want to keep me on to oversee the project, I can sort of walk around and, and make sure it's coming out the way I expected. Or if there are any surprises in the implementation that we weren't expecting or we didn't talk about up front, I can just quickly solve that problem along the way. And you know, it's for a you know, and that would be to, to me, that's like a month. That's another advisory monthly retainer, like implementation oversight or project oversight, not management, but oversight mm-hmm. where you stay, where the, the person who owns the business pays the architect to keep an eye on the people that are building the building. And that's extremely lucrative as well. It's like an insurance policy for the business owner to make sure that the investment that they're making in the build, which is very expensive. It's not as high value as the, the, the blueprint, but it's very expensive. It's two different things. Mm-hmm. They don't want to blow that investment. So they do. It's nice to have sort of insurance policy of like an expert who's been around since the beginning that did the blueprints to actually keep everybody on track. Or you can say, um, and oh, by the way, I can build that for you. So, you know, you kind of have the option. And a lot of times I, I recommend to students when they get to that point where they're like, hmm, I just did this design or I just built this whatever this wireframe or I created this uh, blueprint and we're at that point where the, the client's like, okay, I feel like we're ready to start building. What do you think? Yep. I think we're ready to start building too. And they'll ask me, should I give them a proposal to build it? And I'm like, well, if you want to, I would say, you know, if you want the work and you've got time on your hands, I would say, well, say to the client, well, we, I can build you this 
I'd love to keep working with you. I can build this for you, but I'll tell you right now, I'm going to be probably the most expensive option. There are lots of less mm -hmm. expensive options. Uh, you know, you can go to XYZ Upwork or 99designs. You send them, send them to places where people go mm -hmm. for low cost implementation and say, yeah, I mean, I, I'll be happy to give you a, a proposal for the build, but you know, you, you could get cheaper somewhere else if you want and just kind of put it on them to say, no, 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 uh, we really like to have you do it. And you're already sort of uh, kind of setting an expectation that, you know, it's going to be a premium so that if, if they balk at the price, it's kind of like, well, I told you, you know, you, you could just go to Upwork or, or, you know, what, maybe not Upwork, TopTal or something. And uh, over time, if you can attract more and more of those architecture jobs and fewer and fewer of the build jobs, it frees up a crazy amount of time because it takes forever to build stuff compared to writing the blueprint. I mean, it's like a hundred times longer to make a building than it is to, to do a blueprint. So, you know, it's certainly in person hours, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. And it, I mean, I'm glad you went into that last part because I was going to say that even understanding the differences here between the two roles or the two hats um, is beneficial for selling yourself as well, right? So if someone comes to you with, I need something new and flashy that I haven't even put to paper yet, it allows you to break down and tell them up front, like, hey, there's two parts to this. Let's start here with the um, strategy or whatever we want to call it based mm -hmm. on your industry. And here's the goal and here's why we would do this part first. What are we going to get out of the strategy and how that's going to lead us into this phase two, whether you choose to do phase two with me or someone else or have me manage. I think that's understanding the difference between when retainer, why retainer um, and execution versus the, the blueprint process is critical for, especially for soloists who want to be able to present themselves and their value across the duration or the lifespan of the product. Yeah, it's great. Like how can I contribute value in different phases of where you are? Right. Yep. Yeah. A lot of people that, that sort of learned a skill and started freelancing using that skill, they, they usually think of the, they're sort of in carpenter mode and, and over time they get more and more aware of the fact that if they had been involved earlier in the process, they wouldn't be in the mess that the project is in now because it was poorly designed <laughs> or there was no art blueprint at all. Just like start building these mm -hmm. features. And I think that's pretty common. So if you, if you're aware of that, uh, it's great because you can break it off as an individual piece and say like, you know, ask all these questions that should be answered before anybody starts building anything. And if the client can't answer any of them, then you say, well, this seems to me like there's a lot of unknown unknowns here. Maybe we should talk about a preliminary engagement where we spec this stuff out and get our arms around like even what, like how big of a thing are we talking about here? Because you know, if I was going to give you an estimate right now, it'd be, you know, between 5,000 and $5 million. I mean, we have no idea what we're building, <laughs> you know, so it's really hard. I, I would imagine dear customer that that would be a little bit nerve wracking to have no clue, you know, the no end in sight type of situation. So you can kind of, you can kind of sort of upsell them. It's not even an upsell. It's just like, look, mm -hmm. let's ready aim fire, not ready fire aim. And, <laughs> you know, get that done first. And you probably save a ton of money, definitely a ton of time later, a lot less rework. And yeah, so the, the problem that a lot of people have when they have that, they sort of are in the carpenter mindset is that they give that stuff away for free. Like they start to recognize that it's necessary and they do all of that stuff at the beginning of a project on an hourly basis or for free. Sometimes they'll do it for free in the proposal. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, well, I can't estimate how many hours it's going to be if we don't have, you know, 
10 hours of meetings first. So let's have 10 hours of meetings. Then I can give you an estimate. You know, that's, that's yeah. mind blowing. That's a really, that's upside down. So don't give yeah. it away for free. Don't charge by the hour, break that piece off as an individual chunk. And it doesn't need to be, they don't have to be locked into you. They can go with someone else or they can go with you for the implementation, depending on what everybody wants. Mm-hmm. And I'll have to get us too far off and feel free to say that this is too big to discuss in this call here, what mm-hmm. time we have left. But in saying it's, you know, a quote would be between 5,000 and 5 million because we're not sure what this thing is. How do you then base, I guess, how do you then price the strategy portion if you're not aware of the, the value of the final outcome? Yep. So great question. And the answer to that is that I wouldn't, there's a way to do it and it involves some really, really sophisticated conversations, which I think at the end of the day are probably not worth it. I think it's, I think it's easier all the way around to pick a price for a, a relatively fixed scope of blueprinting, whatever, you know, call it app blueprint and say, this is, this is, and it's, I don't know, whatever, whatever you think, it kind of depends on your reputation. So if it could be, it could be $500, it could be $50,000. And, and, and I've seen, I mean, I know a web designer that got paid $250,000 for a design, basically a WordPress template that was (laughs) then needed to be implemented, you know, and it's, and it's beautiful, you know, but it's like, they didn't really, uh, it, it really depends on uh, honestly, more than anything, like you need to be good. So let's say you're good. And then you need to have confidence. And if you have confidence, you can almost charge whatever you want. So it's like, eh, it's $25,000 for an app blueprint. And, mm-hmm. you know, pri- putting a price like that on your website is price is like the number one thing you can do in your marketing to project value. So if you put a price on your website, it's $50 for an app blueprint. Like, yeah, it's probably not even worth my time. This person probably doesn't know what they're doing. They're probably brand new. They could be, they could be amazing, but it's all I see is 50 bucks for an app blueprint. I'm like, it's going to be garbage. It's going to be like some boilerplate, <laughs> like copy paste PDF that they send to me for 50 bucks. But if somebody right. says $25,000 immediately, I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should introduce these guys to the, the people over at that fortune 500 company that I know are planning an app build that is going to, that I already know is going to be a disaster. You know, so immediately the price is going to, is going to, the price can determine the market. So like your potential customers are immediately going to change if it's $25,000 versus, you know, 500 or 5,000. So it kind of depends on, uh, so what I'm talking about here is a productized service that's relatively fixed scope. No matter who buys it, it's going to take you about the same amount of work. The deliverables will be the same and and the the price that you set will just be considered uh, crazy or reasonable or a no brainer, depending on who reads it. So right. you want what you would want to do is pick a price and then say to yourself, "All right, let's let's just say it's five thousand dollars." That actually sounds kind of low to me, but let's just say five thousand dollars. All right, mm-hmm. so it's five thousand dollars for this uh, app blueprint. For like, who would see that as? a completely reasonable investment. Who could, who could I find that would find that just like a no brainer? Like, yeah, let's do that. And kind of reverse engineer your customers from the price that you want to charge. 
Mm-hmm. Another mm-hmm. way to do it would be to say to yourself, who do I want to work with? What kinds of people would I like to help in their mission? Who would I like to serve? Who do I seek to serve, as Seth Godin would say? And maybe it's, you know, I'm not saying you, but someone might be into, um, you know, whatever, might be into helping dentists or somebody might be into helping uh, mission-driven businesses or um, green energy or, you know, green buildings or whatever. Or they might, they mm-hmm. might have in their family, they might have somebody who's a property manager and they understand the language of property managers and they, they hang around with property managers and they're already in those circles. Or maybe you like, maybe you play tennis and you, you know, that doesn't matter. It's like you could, you could say, all right, uh, who, who do I want to hang around with? Who do I want to work with? Cause it's, you know, probably going to spend a lot of time with these people and do any of them need this thing? Do any of them need an app blueprint? Yeah. Some of them do. And how much would make sense for them to pay. Okay. Maybe it's, maybe it's $2,500. Let's say it's like, uh, you know, uh, animal shelter, nonprofit animal shelters, you know, single location, nonprofit animal shelters. So not a lot of budget, uh, but it's very feel good. And you're like, ah, you know, maybe they can afford 500 bucks to do a, an app blueprint. Cause they need to do this app, pet finder app, or pet placement, whatever. Then, then you say to yourself, all right, yeah what could I do that would actually help them, but is not going to put me out of business at $500. Maybe I've got some boilerplate. Maybe it's a form that they fill out. Maybe it's a, maybe there's a, some sort of checklist or decision tree that I can set up once, maybe tweak a few times, have them run through it. And it's sort of like, um, it kind of like barfs out something helpful to them, but it didn't, Mm -hmm. didn't require a lot of that you could call an app blueprint, but it didn't require a lot of, uh, individual attention from you on each in each time it gets used. So if there are 10,000 single location animal shelters across the U.S. and you can reasonably charge $500 for it, you know, you can make some actual money over time with this thing that basically needs no, uh, that fills the same need as your one-on-one attention would, you know, meeting with somebody 25 hours a week for two months, that mm-hmm. it's not as good, but, you know, the the champagne version isn't in their budget. So what can you do? You know, what can you, what, what, if they only have a beer budget, what could you do to satisfy this need as much as you could, if you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, pricing is very fluid. Like for something like this, the price is very, very fluid. You could, I could imagine six figures for something like this, you know, for All sure. Right. But you'd be working with enterprise clients. There'd be a lot of politics, a very long sales <laughs> cycle, those sorts of things. Exactly. Okay. So it's kind of like the price is going to determine who you're going to work with or who you want to be working alongside should influence your pricing. Yep. Yeah. Two sides of the same coin. Okay. Awesome. Thanks cool. for that, Yeah. Well, this was fun. Thanks so much for joining me. No problem. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, where should, I, I already mentioned the URL, but where should people go to uh, check out your work? Um, Lux.co. So L-U-X-X-E dot C-O. Excellent. So if anybody needs a $50,000 app blueprint, just go to <laughs> lux.co. <laughs> Morgan and Nokia. Everyone at once. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks. Would you like to learn how to get paid what you're worth? How about selling your expertise and not your labor? We work through all of this together in the pricing seminar. Pre-registration starts soon and you can sign up to be on the first to know when early bird pricing is announced at thepricingseminar.com. That URL again is thepricingseminar.com. Hope to see you there.
Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.